0: Even before the events of January 6th, uh, polls have been showing for a long time coming that Americans have been losing trust in the democratic process. And that has unfortunately led to disengagement. In some cases, of course, we obviously have threats uh, against election workers and violence. Uh, But moving forward, we got to get to the question of how do we rebuild trust in the system and get people involved in the process again. David Levine is the Elections Integrity Fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy, where he assesses vulnerabilities in electoral infrastructure, administration, and policies. Uh, He previously served as an election official in Idaho and Virginia and has observed elections in other countries as well. And he joins us on the program now. Uh, David, thank you so much for making time today. Boy, thanks for having me. So give us a little bit of the background of of your work uh, and what's happening uh, as you look at things. Obviously, today's a big focus on uh, what happened on January 6th. But I really want to get into this election integrity, because it seems to me that uh, both Republicans and Democrats uh, are telling voters don't trust the system, uh, which is part of the problem. uh, But how do we actually start to rebuild that trust?
1: Sure, boy, I think that's a great question. You know, just to. Step back, you know, in my role, um, I look at issues related to um, election integrity, um, and that really consists of three things primarily. Number one, are eligible voters um, having reasonable access to the ballot box? Uh, number two, um, are there security procedures that are in place to ensure that our election procedures and technologies are adequately protected? And then three, um, <clears throat> is there a perception across the uh, political spectrum, right, that, that, in fact, elections are working, um, you know, regardless of, in fact, whether or not they're actually working, um, because having that widespread uh, acceptance is really important to ensuring the legitimacy of the election outcome. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously you, you touched on January 6th, and, and you know, and, and obviously this is a big day. It, it's certainly true that, um, that. Lies um, related to election 2020 um, were much of what f- uh, fueled um, the January 6th uh, insurrection and we're frankly, uh, at, a, at a really critical inflection point uh, here today. Um, you know, one of the things I think that, 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 that is, continues to be disheartening, to your point, Boyd, is that, 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 that across the political spectrum, Americans are worried about democracy now, you know, to be fair. Right, the the stolen 2020 election is is one that has has taken over more certainly in the in the Republican Party than the Democratic Party. But this is a an issue that really goes beyond partisanship.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I think it's it's vital that we look at this. Uh, we looked at a lot of the polling this week, and uh, even going back to 2016, and uh, those who didn't feel that President Trump was elected uh, legitimately. And and so this this goes across the board. Uh, obviously, we have a very acute and very specific example in in what happened on January 6th. And, and so I want to go with you, David, as, as you were alluding to, uh, how do we get this uh, across the board, across the political spectrum? What are the best ways to uh, – I think the, the first thing is we've got to get transparency because that seems to be the first step in towards of rebuilding any kind of trust.
1: Yeah, boy, I, I think the transparency is certainly an, an important piece of this. And and you know, just to be clear with with listeners, you know, transparency can mean mean a couple of things. I mean, I do think for example in the 2020 election, you had election officials that were trying to make transparent, right? More of their election processes uh, live with regards to like video stream or web stream mm-hmm. uh, in part in response to the pandemic and of course you know, a number of them feel scarred based on uh, the way that some of those videos were taken out of context to try and undermine confidence in the elections. But I do think that there's an opportunity to take measures to ensure greater transparency, right? We could see, um, you know, we saw more jurisdictions conduct robust post-election audits of the 2020 election results than ever before. But we could certainly see more jurisdictions do that. And the benefit of, uh, of such a measure, of course, is that it can validate um, that the election results are accurate. And if there are any issues with uh, any of the voting equipment or infrastructure, whether it's because of a, uh, you know, an intrusion by a bad actor or an operational failure, that those things won't impact the results. I think another place that we can, you know, look to is, is, is with regards to sort of, a, 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 you know, election observation. Um, You know, while while partisan observation is something that I think is is, is largely allowed for across the United States, um, you know, nonpartisan observation from both domestic and international observers, um, you know, is is a more mixed bag. Um, And I think, you know, uh, providing opportunities for folks to be able to view the process so that they're able to sort of have a better understanding for how elections uh, run would be really important. And, you know, along with the transparency piece, right, of course, is the educational piece as well, mm-hmm. um, I think there's an opportunity for have, putting out updated right, educational content that could tell voters right, about how elections in fact should be run um, but I, and, and, you know obviously that starts a bit with some trusted sources like our state and local election officials that did a great job with two thousand and twenty but they can 't do it alone right. and, and, you know, and one of the concerns is that you know when it comes to countering misinformation, and disinformation. State and local election officials, frankly, don't have the expertise or the bandwidth to do that by themselves. Mm. And they need greater support from civil society and the federal government to try and help counter those efforts. And so I think there's opportunities here with regards to enhanced right, transparency, more education and more resiliency, right? whether yeah. that's more robust post-election audits, um, stronger chain of custody protocols uh, to try and prevent bad actors from getting their hands
0: on election equipment and and things of that ilk. Yeah. Uh, I I love the idea of giving some support to those uh, local uh, election officials who do heroic work every single election. And uh, I know we had some in 2020 that, uh, you know, cut uh, new holes in walls so they could put in glass so people could observe more easily. Uh, And some of those kinds of things that I I think are vital. But that point you mentioned in terms of being able to communicate. And uh, we know those election uh, official staffs are thin at best and uh, having some additional resources so that they could communicate effectively that transparency. uh, I think that would go a long way uh, in the process as well. What what else are you looking at, especially as we roll into uh, what will obviously be a very contentious um, 2020 midterm election?
1: Sure, uh, you know, Boyd. I, I, I'm looking at you know, you know, what f what moves um, states and localities are taking to build on, frankly, the successes of the of the 2020 election, right? Where, you know, I mean, as as, as President Biden and, frankly, a lot of election ministries across the political spectrum, point out, you know, the the 2020 election was was arguably the most scrutinized election ever, right? It had tremendous voter turnout and it was legitimate by all accounts, and so. You know, I'm interested to sort of see, you know, will there be, you know, where there are vulnerabilities, can they and will they be mitigated? For those few jurisdictions that still have paperless voting systems, are we going to paper-based systems, right? Um, For those jurisdictions and states that don't have robust post-election audits, are we moving in that direction? Um, Are we going to see the federal government step up to the plate and provide continuous federal funds, you know? the the federal government provided some funding in 2018 and they provided some funding in 2020, right? Not enough in my opinion, but certainly funding that helped um, state and local election officials carry out successful elections. Um, You know, in spite of the myriad of threats, and frankly, I would argue the increasing number of threats that election officials are facing from both foreign and domestic actors, we've yet to see more federal funding. And, you know, and that's from where I sit really problematic. You know, we clearly, we need, the additional funding so that state and localities aren't protecting right, their elections yeah. on their own against increasingly sophisticated adversaries yeah. so that they're able to buy new equipment and so that when they're dealing with threats to their livelihood and their staffs, they're able to take the measures necessary to protect themselves and potentially retain right, these experienced election officials so that they have the knowledge base to run successful elections.
0: Yeah, great, great point. Uh, David Levine, again, is from the Elections Integrity Fellow uh, at the Alliance for Securing Democracy. Great insight. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, really appreciate your insight. Boy, thanks for having me. All right, we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, there's some key discussions coming up about the other side village. Joseph Grinney going to join us talking about that coming up next.